Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. That's what I'm getting down to here. Good morning. Still the late morning here, even on the Pacific Coast. Managed to squeeze it in there. Little man, parent-teacher conference day, so schedule's a little wonky today. He's off school, but uh, we did have to go there for a half an hour and come on back and you know learn the things that we got to work on with our kid, blah, 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 all that same old stuff. Um, we have a big Wednesday to recap, and I don't have the vocal strength to do a whole lot beyond that, so please, I just beg of you here at the front end, check out our premium stuff over at sportsethos.com. Um, I think a handful of you have, have tried the Fantasy Pass. I think a few of you even got in on the Wager Pass, which I, I believe you'll all be extremely happy with. Um, and at the very, at the very least, uh, come hang out with us in our Discord. Because right now for me, like I've said, if you find me on Twitter, it's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. There is a Discord link. That one should never expire. You can come hang out with us uh, over on Sports Ethos Discord. It's free to get in there. There are hidden rooms that are available to those that have uh, fantasy passes and wager passes and stuff like that. So um, just ping us once you're inside if you want to learn more about that. Um, first things first, though, here. Um, it, actually, I guess that was the first thing. Ah, ah well. Um, let's just dive straight on into this stuff. And for those that are... Watching it on YouTube, you guys will have the box scores float up on your screen here in a matter of moments. For everybody else, don't worry. We'll be going through each thing piece by piece. I will not miss a thing, much like uh, Aerosmith did in their uh, hit song all those years ago. Um, I think the vote yesterday was that more of you preferred it when I put my face down in the corner and it did block a few of the names, but at least I could sort of get one whole team's worth of stuff on the screen. Sorry, or... You're welcome. I, I don't even know what the, the proper answer here is. But at this point, I'm really just trying to get through the week, and hopefully my voice will recover over the weekend. Uh, so these shows will not be as animated or as fun as usual, but there's plenty of information, so I want to really jam that down your throats while I can here. Toronto blew out Milwaukee. This game was over pretty early, so the minutes are a bit all over the map. This is basically why... Uh, and the Suns, too, are another example of this. These are the reasons that you fade teams pushing superstars together, not because they're not going to be good, but because it takes time for them to get to that point. Bucks are going to be great by the end of this season. Celtics are already great, which is kind of amazing. But Drew Holiday is such a guy that fits in everything, and then Porzingis is a guy that, you know, they, he just sort of got to drop into a role that pre-existed and the other things were around it. But, like, for the Bucks, they they really did blow things up. Chris Middleton is not right yet. Uh, he played 17 minutes yesterday. As I mentioned, I don't really want anything to do with Middleton this year. I think we're talking about, like, a month-and-a-half-long ramp up here. Unless you can get him for two pennies, I think is what I said yesterday. I will not pay more than two pennies for Chris Middleton this season. But as far as like, you know, the Dame Giannis thing goes, they they exploded in the first ball game and that was adrenaline and teams not really understanding what was going on. But now the Bucks have to figure out how to fit the pieces together. This, this now comes the hard part. And they'll be fine. They're going to get very good, but the number, the season-long win total number if you're getting back into the sports betting side for teams like the Bucks, like the Suns is built on an idea that these superstars are just going to be great together from day 1. And they're not. They get there over time, 
but they very rarely hit the big season win total numbers that we're talking about. But I don't want to read into the fantasy stuff in this one. They were terrible. Let's just look at the Toronto side, where Dennis Schroeder continues to impress. I am so sorry, Dennis. I doubted you this year, and I should not have doubted you. Uh, he's an assist machine. He's fully running that team. Uh, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam also doing some ball handling, but like the Dennis Schroeder show is upon us. So, like, you know, I talking about a miss, a lot of the other guys, I think the jury's still out on whether or not it's a hit or a miss. This one, I think pretty obviously I, I vastly underestimated how much he was going to be doing with this team. And as a result, and I didn't draft him, I don't think anywhere, Gary Trent was the guy where you were like, well, could he get some of the point guard stuff if they let Scotty Barnes run point? The answer so far is not really. I think Gary Trent is is trending pretty hard towards a drop at this point. Um, again, I don't have him anywhere, but trying to put myself in your shoes, if you do, he probably is not someone that ends up on your roster a couple weeks from now. So if you want to get out in front of it, I'm actually kind of okay with that. No precious Achua, uh, which means that Jakob Pertl really didn't have anybody breathing down his neck finally, and he had a really good ball game with a double-double and four blocks. Let's hope that that's the type of thing that keeps up a little bit from there. Portland beat Detroit, and I don't want to read too much into this either, but uh, Scoot Henderson left this ball game early. The um, You can see it on your screen if you're watching, that it says he, he will not return as of the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter, but that's not when he left the ball game. That was when he got ruled out for the remainder of the game. He left in the third. That's why his minutes were at 20. He was actually playing a little bit better in this one, but also Portland got a whole lot better when he left because that meant more Malcolm Brogdon, who's just, frankly, a better basketball player right now. And that's not to say that Scoot won't get better as the season goes on, as his career goes on, but in this exact moment... If Portland wants to win games, they'll play a whole lot of Malcolm Brogdon at point guard because he's far and away the best option they've got there. Uh, Shaden Sharp was unguardable in this game. Anytime he took it to the rack, they fouled him. Anytime he shot from the outside, he knocked it down. It was really a pretty special game from that young dude who obviously belongs on rosters, especially while Anthony Simons is out and certainly while Scoot is out. With Scoot being out, I think we just get an even higher dose of Malcolm Brogdon. And also, can we talk about, and I made this rhyme yesterday, but I'm going to do it again. Why is everybody hating on Aiton? Please stop hating on Aiton. Because do you guys know what Aiton is ranked so far this year? Number 18 in 9-cat. And obviously the steals are unseasonably high. He's averaging 2.2 steals per game. But he's also, I believe, the league's leading rebounder so far. Tied with Demonis Sabonis at 14 rebounds per ball game. Um... He hasn't even had to score yet, which I think is a thing that comes around if you're getting better point guard play, which Malcolm Brogdon would certainly bring that. So I don't think we should be surprised that Aiden scored 16 points in yesterday's game either. I don't know why everybody's hating on Aiden. Maybe it's a little bit of a sell high because of the steals, but also I think he scores more. So yeah, there's a total disconnect there on what his value has actually been so far this year versus what people seem to think. He's been really good. And Portland won another ball game, which is, dare I say, astounding. Blazers are two and three. Hasn't been a complete disaster. Not that far off, but, you know, could be worse. Well, this win came at the hands of the Pistons, who were in control of this game for a while, but just sort of ran out of steam as the game went on. Marvin Bagley had the fill-in at center with no Jalen Duran. If Duran's there, I would imagine the... 
Pistons probably win this game. Although Bagley was actually a plus eight when he was on the floor. It was James Wiseman. That was a disaster. Big surprise there. Marvin Bagley, not a great fantasy line. Uh, the big turnovers kind of the the main problem there so a little bit of a of a deflated if you want to play Bagley again in the next one if Jalen Duran's out I'm okay with that I think you could probably even get away with it on both Roto and head-to-head but definitely for head-to-head and then Isaiah Stewart uh with no Duran his job gets a little bit bigger uh in my opinion the jury's still kind of out on whether Stewart is going to be a season-long value um, right now he's ranked 153 and it feels like he's actually been kind of okay so far. It's the lack of defensive stats and he only had one more in this ball game. If he gets anything in that department, he boosts himself inside the top 100. But so far he's legitimately had one steal the entire season and one block. That's bad. Uh, Marcus Sasser is someone that got a popped a couple of questions popped up. He played 23 minutes, had a whole bunch of defensive stats. Not something that I'm reading too much into unless this is an upward trend, but I'm going to need to see more before I buy in on that. Pelicans had a pretty nice comeback win here over the Thunder, and we just got word right before going on air that Shea Gilgis Alexander has a knee issue and he'll be sitting out their ball game tomorrow. So that sucks a big old weenie. Uh, as far as the Pelicans go. Jonas Valanciunas made the most of his 21 minutes. I'm going to tell you guys to sell high basically anytime he has a big game in 21 minutes because I don't think we can count on him having a big game in 21 minutes every single night. But so far, he's been able to do enough in about 23 minutes per ball game to just barely eke his way inside the top 100, and that's a time where you might want to think about moving. So could JV be a top 100 center? It's a possibility. I still think it's probably not going to happen as long as this team is healthy. Uh, but Brandon Ingram has been out, and that's good for him because that allows them to, uh, they need a little bit more offense. When Ingram is healthy, they need more defense. That definitely hurts him. So, And I guess we should also throw the caveat in there. The Pelicans are almost never all the way healthy. So when I talk about this, maybe I should listen to my own words. And maybe that means that there is a path for JV because the Pels almost never have all of their guys together at the same time. Herb Jones was the other guy we were watching in this one. Uh, he's kind of slipped back into these bad habits of really not doing anything in his 30 minutes per game. I'm a little worried. I mean, they're better when he's on the floor because of his defense, basically. But I am uh, pretty worried that when Trey Murphy shows up in a month that Herb is going to be the guy that, that kind of disappears also, Jordan Hawkins filling in for Brandon Ingram. Pretty fantasy-friendly line. I took 19 shots. I don't know where he gets off taking 19 shots. But if Ingram misses any more time, he's dealing with tendonitis right now uh, and technically day-to-day, so I don't know that I could advocate a, a Hawkins pickup. But it is good to kind of know if you're making a move at the last moment, if, you, if we do find out that Ingram's out for their next ballgame, that's the direction you can go. As far as what to do on the Thunder side uh, with Shea missing tomorrow's ball game, I don't know that there's an obvious pickup. Lou Dort probably gets a few more shots, but his game isn't particularly fantasy-friendly. Who slides into the starting lineup is still a little bit of a question. Uh, is it like Lindy Waters? Is it Isaiah Joe? We saw him get in there and take a bunch of three-pointers last year in some of these spots. I think I would just assume that Giddy, Jalen Williams, and Jed Holmgren become a, a little bit more valuable for a game or two, and I don't know that anybody actually moves across the cut line. 
Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Ah, the coughing. Uh, Indiana got blown out. They lost by 51 points with no Tyrese Halliburton. Andrew Nemhard got the start, but uh, as I've warned you all, his game is actually not super fantasy friendly. TJ McConnell is the point guard that has the fantasy friendly game. But McConnell got a whole lot of garbage time. I don't know that we can trust either one of those guys to play enough if Halliburton misses another one. Uh, So I am not advocating any sort of pickup there. And then everything else you can just throw out because the box score was a mess. Same general story for Boston. They blew this game open early. Nobody needed to do anything. So moving along. Cavaliers beat the Knicks. This was a a home-and-home situation. Actually, I think both of these games were in New York. So I think this was a uh, home and still at the same home rematch it's very hard to be the same team where you're kind of evenly matched two ball games in a row and the defense came to play in this one Nick shot 35 percent Cavs just 43 percent Karis Levert was back in there uh he's probably worth a pickup while Darius Garland's out I he might even continue to be playable when Garland comes back because you know we saw Levert play pretty well down the stretch last year he's kind of carried it over into this season This is the best iteration of Levert we've ever seen. So why not? Certainly better for head-to-head than Roto because of typical efficiency issues, but uh, he's he's very much on the map. And then I'm sure I'm going to continue to get Max Struess stuff anytime he doesn't have a great ball game, and he's been very cold lately. Dude's shooting 35% from the field, but I don't care because that's not going to happen all season long. Worst case scenario, he shoots 39 or 40% from the field. I think probably he even gets higher than that. He seems to be up among the league leaders in minutes, or team leaders in minutes, I should say. He had four boards, four assists, and two blocks in addition to making all three of his free throws. Uh, Had a high turnover game yesterday for whatever reason, but I am not moving off of Max Struess until his job changes. And right now, he's getting plenty of playing time, and that's all that we really need because at some point, these threes are going to start dropping. As far as the Knicks go, we came into this ballgame hoping to learn more about whether Josh Hart was going to get playing time. Uh, then R.J. Barrett was ruled out, and Josh Hart got the start, and so that question kind of went up in smoke. If Hart is starting, then you start Hart. If Hart starts, you start Hart. Easy peasy. But I do still kind of need to know. And so I guess to that end, you could pick him up and just ride with it to see kind of how long R.J. Barrett is out, and if Hart still gets minutes when he comes back, if you want to kind of get out in front of it, uh, that would be the path to take there. Emmanuel quickly, 28 minutes in this ball game, so that was a better sign. 
for me, the jury's still out. I think he he's more of a head-to-head type. I don't know that it quickly is going to have the, the playing time or the usage day in, day out to be a roto play. And I don't think much that I see over the next bit is going to change my position on that unless he starts playing 30-plus minutes a night. And I don't think we see that happen. Brooklyn 109, Miami 105. Uh, the main storylines here, no Nick Claxton, no Spencer Dinwiddie on the Brooklyn side, and they still managed to pull out a win. Cam Thomas, three steals to kind of uh, help what turned out to be a pretty rough shooting night. And this is kind of what you, like, gunners like that are not going to shoot the percentage he had been. And I kind of told you guys, I was like, Cam Thomas, he does belong on rosters right now because he's getting all the usage he can handle. There's absolutely no reason to move off of that. But he was shooting like 58 59% coming into yesterday's ball game. We knew there was no chance that was going to hold up. So now, is the other shoe dropping? Is this a cold streak or just a cold game for him? We can't know, really, until the next one. But just be aware that when things go cold, they go real cold. He is as streaky as they come. Dorian Finney-Smith, solid fill-in at center for Nick Claxton. Royce O'Neal actually got the, uh, the start for Spencer Dinwiddie because three of the starters are out for Brooklyn right now. And O'Neal had a pretty well-rounded game, did sort of the quiet, like, I need to be out here for 40 minutes to get my fantasy stuff. But if we know he's going to be there for 40 minutes, then he moves into that burger board position as well. Something that was kind of floating under the radar on the Heat side that I want to point everybody's eyeballs to is Josh Richardson playing 30 minutes off the bench and I believe making a case to start. I don't know if that means that uh, they bench Jaquez or if they bench Kyle Lowry, but someone's got to go on this team. Uh, Richardson was terrible, so it's not like they're going to rush him into the starting lineup. But I think seeing him play 30 minutes off the bench was a, a kind of an indicator of what they'd like for him to be doing at some point going forward, you know, shooting one for nine, obliterated anything that could have come from it on the fantasy standpoint. But a steal, a few rebounds, a few assists, if you put a couple of three-pointers on top of that, he actually becomes then a startable fantasy play. So I don't know that you need to get out in front of this one. I don't think anybody's going to be racing you to the waiver wire to pick up Josh Richardson today. But if you have somebody that's completely useless and you can cut them, this that's this is a guy that I would think about doing it for. Because I think that this is a guy, you know, nothing's working for the Heat right now. They've been one of the worst teams in the NBA. They're one and four. Uh, only the Grizzlies are without a win to this point. And so Miami's going to start to shake things up a little bit. That's one way that they might do it. Wizards, this actually was a blowout. They made it close at the very end during garbage time, so that's why the minutes are uh, a little screwball. I wouldn't read too much into it other than to just note that the Wizards are going to be in a lot of blowout games because they're awful. They're really, really bad. I thought they might be able to hang in there with some of the more middling teams, but they're getting smoked by even the middling teams right now. Uh, Mike Muscala got the start because Daniel Gafford's still out. I think his return will help them a little bit, but how much? I don't know that it's going to make that big of a difference. Jordan Poole has been atrocious to this point. Uh, Tyus Jones had actually been kind of okay before this ball game, but this knocked him down a few pegs. He's now number 93. He still hasn't shot a free throw, interestingly, so far this season. Notice that as we're looking at his numbers. Kyle Kuzma has been able to kind of stay above the fray. Denny Avdia had a better ball game here, but he's been 
kind of all over the map prior to this point. This good one pushed him back inside the top 100. I don't know that I trust Avdia to post efficient lines like this every day. Uh, he definitely profiles as someone you could look at in a points league. Nine cat is still kind of on the fence. Kuzma's a yes. Delon Wright, only 22 minutes here, but he had three boards, a three-pointer, nine assists, and two steals. So that's kind of why you have him rostered if you have him rostered. Uh, and I do in a few spots because uh, I like the assists, the steals, and sometimes the rebounds combination from a point guard. Jordan Poole obviously is rostered. He is He's on this list that I've been uh, slowly amassing on the show of guys that are by lows but also ones I don't really want all that badly. He joins the likes of Wendell Carter Jr. and Andrew Wiggins, uh, all guys that are by lows but all guys that I'm not super into. And then uh, no other valuation changes there. On the Atlanta side, we saw Jalen Johnson move back to the bench. Still almost double-doubled, so I'm not super worried about that. Sadiq Bey slid back into the starting lineup, which is good for him. That's going to buy him a little more time on rosters. DeAndre Hunter has been playing like a man possessed so far this year. He very much belongs as a start until he cools off. Unless he cools off, unless or until... I don't know. Either way. And then this ballgame was over early, so we got some bonus Okongwu minutes again. I Can I finally... Do I have your collective permission to stop reminding everybody that they need to hold on to Onyeko Okongwu? Can this finally be the day where it's just like, we don't have to talk about it anymore? He's a must-roster player, and very little is going to change that other than, like... Clint Capella starting to play 32 minutes a game, which ain't happening anytime soon. Denver decided not to show up for this one, so don't read anything into that. Minnesota decided they did want to show up for this one, so we got a nice one out of Mike Conley. I got a bunch of Mike Conley questions. Does he suck? Blah, blah, blah. This ballgame pushes him inside the top 70 in the early going. This is what you drafted. You drafted a guy who's going to hit a three-pointer or two, who's going to get you somewhere between four and six assists on a night-to-night basis, do it efficiently, and hopefully there are more of these coming up where he actually gets to be a, a slightly larger participant in the offense. Slow-mo I'm a little bit disappointed with, I'll admit. Kyle Anderson, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a game, I thought he'd be able to do a little bit more, but the rebounding hasn't really been there. The assists haven't really been there. You've gotten a smattering of steals from Anderson so far, but those are available elsewhere. If he doesn't pick it up, then I'll move on. I'm going to give him a little bit longer, though, just because, again, we know when he gets the minutes, he gets fantasy stuff. And, uh, you know, I, if his role changes considerably, then I guess that's where we would make a little bit of a pivot. But I'm going to give him a little bit longer before I do anything uh, too rash with slow-mo. Houston beat Charlotte, the Rockets getting their first win of the year, and the Hornets could probably use LaMelo Ball not being... Kind of a mess. LaMelo's been bad so far this year. Uh, this ball game, his shot was a little bit better, but he's actually outside the top 100 in nine cats so far, uh, shooting 30.5% from the field, only 15.5 points per game. Really rough start to a guy that you may recall we referred to as a field goal punt build guy on draft night. Even with a field goal punt, he's still not anywhere near a first-round value. 
no massive changes to my uh, valuations here. I think you stick with Brandon Miller. He had 5,024 minutes, so that was part of it, but he was still okay. Uh, Gordon Hayward continuing to play well. We'll wait and see what happens with the front court when Miles Bridges comes back, but uh, that's all you really need to worry about from there. Amen Thompson hurt his ankle. Grade 2 ankle sprain is the report right now. They expect him to miss a couple of weeks. Doesn't change the rotations very much in Houston other than maybe shortening them up a little bit. Jalen Green had a slightly more efficient ball game. That's good. Dylan Brooks has been a bit of a fantasy surprise, but I wouldn't read too much into it, mostly because Dylan Brooks is shooting, wait for it, 59% from the field. If you wipe that out, go back into the low 40s where you know he's eventually going to land, it's going to be a fantasy number that's not all that great. Also, his five steals yesterday, hyperinflating his steals numbers for the season, kind of in the same way we just talked about with DeAndre Ayton. But with Dylan Brooks, you've got all these things that are different than usual, meaning the field goal percent is different, the steals number is really high, the free throw is actually bigger than usual. He's going to taper off. He's playable in points leagues, should have been from the get-go, playable in field goal punt-type rosters, uh, but I'm still not trusting him in nine cat. Freddie Van Vliet, good ball game. Jabari Smith Jr., good ball game. Alperin Shengun, pretty good ball game. Not a whole lot to take away. Chicago falls in Dallas to a the uh, upstart Mavericks, who've opened the year 4-0. and No Kyrie Irving for the second game in a row on the Dallas side. As far as Chicago goes, this is a team that really does seem to bounce back and forth between decent ball games and kind of uninspired ones. But hey, at least Vooch had a 2020 game, so we'll go ahead and we'll take that. He's now back up to number 61 per game after a slow start. Cool. Zach Levine was a little bit better. DeMar DeRozan was fine. I keep waiting to see if Alex Caruso is going to jump over Kobe White. He hasn't yet, but Kobe White is not a good fantasy player, so he should be dropped. Caruso's the one you're waiting to see if maybe he can turn it into something, but he's not playing enough right now. On the Dallas side, I continue to be teased by Grant Williams. He's number 98 in uh, nine cat on four three-pointers and good field goal percent, and that's almost it. Now, if he could get some defensive stats mixed in, now you start to cook with something. I don't think he's going to be added in all that many places, even though he had seven three-pointers yesterday, but he is in a really nice spot with the Mavericks. He makes a lot of sense as sort of the tough power forward who's very, very, very good at hitting corner three-pointers. And Luka's going to get him open. And Kyrie's going to get him open when he comes back. But I don't think, again, I don't think you need to race out and get him. Uh, this is one of those ones where you can kind of be late on it because the what is the upside, really, for Grant Williams? Like, top 90? How much better is he going to get than what we've seen so far? Not much. Tim Hardaway Jr. continues his hot run to start the year. He's another one where I don't think you're going to be able to sell for anything because nobody believes that he's going to do this all season long. No Kyrie has been helpful. Four three-pointers a game is not going to stick. 20 points a game is not going to stick. Just take it while you can get it because at some point you know he's going to get cold and then it's going to hurt. The better news in this one, the good news I don't want to say Maxi Kleba being hurt is good news, but it is excellent news for Derek Lively, who got 33 minutes because the, the three-headed center monster went back down to just being a two-headed center monster, and Lively played really well. 13 boards, six assists, two steals, and a block, and uh, when one of the other centers is down, he is very much a guy that you need to be playing, and so perhaps with that knowledge under our belt, we can amend the 
probably droppable when all three centers are healthy to probably stashable when all three centers are healthy because he can put up some pretty good lines when one of them goes down. And uh, Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell don't exactly have a clean bill of health. Grizzlies lose again. The Boo Birds are coming at this point. There's not much longer that they can go without a win before people start to get a little antsy. Xavier Tillman, only 14 minutes. The question with him is always whether or not he's going to see playing time against teams that can spread them out. And the answer right now is no. By the way, uh, Santi Aldama still isn't back yet. But, you know, they'll run JJJ up at the center spot if they need to. And I, the thought process for me was, what if Utah runs a whole bunch of Walker Kessler, which they did not do. They instead decided to spread everybody out, run Kelly Olynyk as the floor-spacing passing big man, and that kind of forced Memphis's hand to go away from the Xavier Tillman offensive rebounding uh, bruiser type. And nothing that Memphis is doing right now is working anyway, so... Oh, man, I really wish that I had my voice back. This is really a struggle. Larry Markinen, another good ball game. He's off to a, a astounding start this year. He's number 10. I thought he'd take a small step back. So far, that hasn't happened at all. Colin Sexton woke up, but we can ignore that. Jordan Clarkson woke up, which you kind of knew had to be coming. He's still not inside the top 200 in nine-category leagues, but again, you know what you're getting on that point, so I'm not going to belabor it. No, you're not adding Kelly Olynyk. John Collins still playing fine. THT, let's just drop him and move on from this nonsense. And then Walker Kessler, you got to sit on it at this point because eventually Utah's going to go to him and it's just not happening out of the chute. I wonder what price you can get on Kessler in a buy low. I don't know right now, but I would think about it, especially if it's on the cheap. Lakers-Clippers was a fun one. Overtime game, Paul George fouled out. I think that was right at the beginning of overtime, if I'm not mistaken. And that was a big deal because he was kind of the only Clipper hitting shots down the stretch and into OT. And then he hit LeBron on the elbow, and that was the end of that. Uh, but still a massive game for PG. He's having one of the best starts he's had to a season in a very long time. He's number four in nine cat to this point. Kawhi, big ball game. Missed some free throws in kind of a weird twist, but I don't care because he's Kawhi Leonard. And the better news in this one is that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard played in a back-to-back. I mean, I know it was Lakers, so there was sort of more on the line. But whatever, it happened. Russ had a big one. Could this be his last big one before James Harden shows up? It seems possible. Because he's not going to be running the offense once Harden's there. But there's gonna, man, there's going to be so much chemistry stuff to work out on this team. Norman Powell, kind of his last hurrah. Bones, kind of a little bit of a last hurrah. Ivica Zubats, I actually think he'll be okay. He's always already settled back into his normal outside the top 100 valuation. So that crap didn't take long. He had one giant ball game to start the year, and then he's gone back to being regular old Ivica Zubats. What do you do with all of this information on the Clippers is probably the better question than me just highlighting what, what's going on. You can't really do much of anything because nobody's going to buy on Russell Westbrook knowing that James Harden's showing up. You're not selling on Paul George and Kawhi. Although, again, with Harden showing up, if you could sell on Paul George and get a different second or first rounder, maybe that would be something to think about, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen, so screw it. Just play the hand you're dealt and go with it from there. 
If you're wondering why is Kawhi Leonard ranked outside the top 25, it's because for some reason he's been a very bad free throw shooter so far this year, shooting two-thirds. He's making two-thirds of them on almost four attempts per game. If you crank that up near 90 where it normally is, Kawhi's back up near the first round where he normally is as well. And if these guys are playing in back-to-backs, holy smokes. As far as the Lakers go, I think the big stories in this one, forget the fact that Anthony Davis has been incredible so far this year also. He's the number one, by the way, number one player in fantasy sports, mostly because he's shooting 85% at the free throw line. That's always the thing with AD. Uh, LeBron is much higher than I expected to this point, largely because he's been forced to play a, a boatload of minutes, but that still only puts him at number 37 because he's been also quite terrible at the free throw line. Uh, they need to get LeBron's minutes down, and at some point that's going to happen, but they couldn't do it in this one because they wanted this damn ball game. Lakers have a really tough schedule to start the year, and they're trying to get off to an okay start in it. Those are not the fantasy points. The fantasy points are D'Angelo Russell, number 45, and he's going to be a great value all season long. Christian Wood, 29 minutes, a team best, plus 14. He and Anthony Davis are really figuring out how to work together nicely and I think Wood has played his way into a pretty significant role for this team. He is a must-add player. Austin Reeves also woke up halfway through this game. He put a move on. I think it was Norman Powell that dropped him. Reeves hit the jumper, and then he was just sort of back to being clutch Austin after that. So congratulations. Right in the middle of this ball game, he got a kick of adrenaline and busted out of his slump. And the by-low window is probably closed on him now. And then Klay Thompson, a game winner for the Warriors over the Kings. That's become quite a battle in the Bay Area. Davion Mitchell hit three threes and had three steals, filling in for De'Aaron Fox. But that's about as good as it's going to get for him. I would prefer to stream Malik Monk while Fox is down. And then you just kind of hope that everybody else has a slightly better offensive game than they did in this one. As far as the Warriors go, Andrew Wiggins, I already talked about him. He's a buy low, but I also don't really want him on my fantasy team anyway. Chris Paul... Closed this ball game, but he only had a usage rate of 8. Which is a little bit nerve-wracking. I'd like to see that number come up. We knew that Draymond coming back was going to have a negative impact on Paul. And now he's going to kind of have to figure out how to play off of Draymond. Because those two guys are going to be on the floor together. Dre's going to be running things a bit more. Or they'll figure out a way to work them both into it. I have faith that they'll figure this out. Uh, but admittedly, I am a little bit concerned about the Draymond impact on CP3. Mid-show reminder to please follow me on social media because I can't talk that much longer or my larynx is just going to fall right out of my throat. Uh, I'm not even going to do promo because I just don't have the energy for it today, but my Twitter handle, again, is at Dan Bespris. Uh, please drop a like, rate, subscribe as a thank you for me because uh, I am I don't all feel like I have to tough it out all that often because podcasting is fun, but I'm freaking toughing it out right now. Tonight, Toronto. Uh, oh, my God, I got a cough. This hurts, guys. This really hurts. I cannot wait until this illness is over. Whew, deep breaths. Bespris, you're almost there. Um, Toronto, I want to see if Jakob Pertl can keep it up, and I want to find out if Gary Trent is officially a drop. For the Sixers, do we know if the new players are available yet? I don't think we've got word on that, but if they are, finding out who's the starting power forward is paramount, and I might consider doing a pickup of that player before the game even starts, and if that player ends up getting caught in a massive carousel of minutes, then you can drop them 
but I just don't want to be late on it if, say, you know, what if they give it to Rob Covington? What if he gets the start? Do I expect him to play 29 minutes right out of the shoot? I don't, but Covington in high 20s minutes is a fantasy gold mine, and I just don't want to be late on that. Now, if they start him and he plays 19 minutes, fine. You drop at the end of the ballgame. No big deal. No harm done. Pistons, please say Jalen Duran's back. If not, you can throw Marvin Bagley into the mix. We already talked about that. I'd also like to see Alec Burks back because he was playing relatively well. Pelicans, we just talked about Herb Jones and Jordan Hawkins as a possible burger board member if Brandon Ingram uh, is possibly back, although it sounds like Zion's going to get rested for this one. So that's good for Jonas Valanciunas, by the way. Wide open avenue for him. Does a Zion absence change some of the other front court stuff? We'll find out. For the Magic, I have become a Jalen Suggsophile. I think he needs to be on rosters to see how this thing develops, but so far his fantasy game looks pretty good, and it actually kind of looks like Suggs took a step forward. I need confirmation on whether Cole Anthony is a streamer level only, and then Wendell Carter Jr., who I mentioned, kind of caught astray earlier in the broadcast. Uh, a guy that is both a buy-low and someone that I still don't want. For the Jazz, I'm ready to just move on from THT so we don't have to talk about him anymore. And then obviously Walker Kessler is what everybody's thinking about as well. For the Spurs, same stuff as always. I get tired of repeating this, but I'll do it sort of lightning round style. How long before Trey Jones is the point guard? Because they're better when he's out there. Can the other main guys fix their efficiency issues? And that's all of them. Wembenyama, field goal percent, and turnovers. Keldon Johnson and Jeremy Sohan, both percentages. Devin Vassell, kind of, uh, well, right now, actually, free throw has been a bigger issue than field goal, but again, percentages. And then Zach Collins, it's been turnovers. If the Spurs can clean that stuff up, I'll get a little more confident in what those guys are providing. And the Zombie Suns, uh, Booker has been upgraded to questionable, so there's a chance they might get some of the Zombies back. They may uh, fix some of the undead and, and get back to upright. If Booker's back, I think I'd leave everybody else alone. And by everybody else, I'm obviously not referring to Yusuf Nurkic and Kevin Durant. I'm talking about the Joshua Kogis and the Grayson Allens and the Eric Gordons and so forth. And we just got our update on Jalen Duran. He is still questionable for tonight. And so that's the short Thursday, TNT Thursday game. Should be some fun out there. I mean, I'm going to enjoy these damn basketball games even if I can't uh, vocalize my joy. The Pistons... Injury report dropped right here as we're getting towards the end of the show. Alec Burks is also questionable, so that's something to put on the list. Thank you guys for bearing with me on that. Let me see if I can handle any questions. I'm going to scan the chat room for ones that I think are uh, possibly relevant to multiple people. So if you're asking a question that's very team-specific, with my humblest apologies, I just don't have the vocal strength to go through all of them. Uh, but I want to try to get to questions that might be relevant for everybody. Here's one. Mikosh says, is Trey Murphy a good pickup and stash? So my answer to that is actually sort of complicated. I, I, the short version is yes, because I don't think the Pelicans are ever healthy. They're just not a team that's going to be healthy. Brandon Ingram is always hurt. Zion is always hurt. McCollum is getting older, even if he's probably the most durable among them. Meaning 
there will probably be an avenue for Trey Murphy to get to do some stuff at some point once he comes back. When the team is fully healthy, I don't know that Trey Murphy is going to get enough to do. But like last year, I kept saying it. When they're healthy, he didn't get to do very much. And guess what? They were never healthy. They had four games all year, I believe, where Zion, Ingram, and McCollum all played together. And how many have they had so far this year before Ingram went down? Two? How many games has Ingram played so far? I need to make sure I'm getting this right. Two. Out of how many? Uh, What are they at in games played? Are they at four or five? Pelicans are at four. So two of their four games, they've been fully healthy. If Trey Murphy was around for the two games that Ingram was out, he'd be a value. So my answer to this is probably yes. Uh, should I trade Walker Kessler for Dennis Schroeder in 9-cat Roto? Uh, I don't think that I would. As much as I like what Schroeder's doing so far, there are a few things going on with his fantasy game that don't feel fully sustainable to me. Most notably, almost three three-pointers a game is not a number that he's usually accustomed to, and I don't think he sticks at nine assists. It's really hard to get nine assists a night. Maybe he does, but... I think that comes down. I don't think that I would sell on Kessler right now because you're going to be taking a hit. And I know that there's this whole like sunk cost theory thing. I, I in fact, I'd be more on the other side to say what can I what can I use to buy on Walker Kessler because there's just no way he's this bad all season long. Christian Wood or Jalen Suggs in a 12-team Roto League? Uh, let's go Jalen Suggs right now because of this one. Dem Birds, good question. Does Christian Wood maintain value once J Jared Vanderbilt comes back? So there's going to be a matchup thing that happens, although yesterday I think most of what you would have seen Jared Vanderbilt do was done by Cam Reddish. Now I know that some of that had to do with the fact that Rui Hachimura was out and Gabe Vincent was out. And so the Lakers are pretty thin right now with no Vando, no Vincent, no Rui. That's why I picked Suggs in the previous question because I think the Lakers do go a little bit matchup heavy when they needed those big guys, when they needed that extra rebounding kick, when they needed to have rim protection as teams try to pull Anthony Davis away. Christian Wood is the one that makes more sense than those other names. So uh, I think the answer is probably here because I think Christian Wood is elevating himself above the pack a little bit, but also... Why I like Jalen Suggs more is, is for reasons like this one, because there are guys coming back, three of them, that make life harder on the non-superstar-level Lakers. Um, what do I think about Derek White rest of season? I think he's going to be really freaking good. He was one of the like main B-150 targets that a lot of people were fading after the Drew Holiday trade. He's number 19 right now, so as much as Walker Kessler has been down, White has been way, way up. Matthew asks, should I drop Bobby Portis, Evita Zubats, or Kavan Looney in 9-cat? I think they're all droppable, frankly, so I don't think it matters which one of those three players you pick. Um, let me see if I can find some other one. Do you think DeAndre Aiden can keep these stats up? Would you trade DeAndre Aiden for Kyrie Irving? Yes to the second question. If you can use Aiden to get Irving, you absolutely do it. There's no chance DeAndre Aiden keeps up two steals per game. That number comes down. The points probably come up for him. But the steals drop-off probably impacts his value more. Still, I think that Aiden has a really good shot to be top 40. Uh, I think Kyrie Irving has a really good shot to be top 10. So that's the that's the direction you go on that one. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to skim past some of these questions that are streamer-related. Hey, Dan, can Nas Reed keep this up? 
Does he get just 20 minutes per game moving forward? Can you rank Nas Reed, Time Lord Emmanuel Quickly, and Markel Fultz? I love Nas Reed. He's a stat magnet. Uh, always has been. I was praying that he was going to get traded to a team that would give him more opportunity than the Wolves have. He didn't. So um, I would say keep Nas Reed on your roster for now. Uh, but among these players, I would rather have Markel Fultz and probably Robert Williams, although he and Nas Reed are, are relatively close. And then in 12-team in Roto, uh, Emmanuel Quickly is at the bottom of that list. Hey, Dan, should we be concerned with Mark Williams' minutes right now? Uh, uh, yeah, probably a little bit. I mean, this is what I talked about during the preseason. I, I, I was concerned that they run P.J. Washington at center sometimes, and they have. And they have Nick Richards, who's a viable backup. I just I didn't think that they were going to turn the keys over to Mark. He's still number 63, though, so it's not like everything has been disastrous. But the answer is yes. I, I don't know that he's guaranteed 28, 29 minutes of ball game. Hey, Dan, can you give me some hope on Walker Kessler and Scoot? Uh, Scoot, the hope is that he'll be good by uh, January or February. So it's the same thing. Rookie ball handlers. If you don't, if you don't know, now you know. Walker Kessler, I, I don't know why they're yanking him around like this. I, I, I do think he'll come around. I just don't know exactly when it's going to be. I would uh, hold on Kessler. Scoot is someone that I would, I never would have drafted in a thousand years because you know how the seasons are going to go for these rookie ball handlers. Uh, instead, he's someone that I would think about trying to buy low on in about a month if he's still struggling like this. Xavier Tillman or Onyeka Okongwu, rest of season. Okongwu, and it's by a mile. Uh, uh, is DeJounte Murray a good offer for Kyrie or Jimmy Butler right now? Um, sure. Yeah, go get Kyrie Irving for DeJounte Murray. I like that a lot, actually. DeJounte's had two really good ball games after a couple of slow ones. He's number 27. He probably finishes somewhere near 25 to 30 range. Kyrie has that top 10 upside. Butler is a buy low also. Um... Yeah, I mean, either way, I'm actually probably good with this. John Alves is suggesting I go to Jason's Deli, get some sweet tea and mix juices with lemons and limes. John, for me, I just got to stop talking, man. I have the laryngitis because I keep doing these hour-long damn podcasts. Uh, let's see if we got anything here. Roto, uh, sorry guys, I know those that are listening are... Uh, are hurting right now as I scan through. Hey, a visit from Josh Lloyd. What the hell is he doing awake right now? What's up, my man? He called me sexy voice. Uh, here, let me go. Let me get in real tight to the microphone. Although that was 40 minutes ago. I don't know if he's still hanging with me. Um, that started a chat in the chat room. What's this one? Oh, two padres calling me Dan Gasol. I got a new nickname, guys. That's kind of fun. Just wanted to know your thoughts on when does value trump team comp in a trade i just got offered clay for mitch robinson but their stats are so different that it's confusing this is a really good question and i truly wish that i had the voice to get through a good answer to it i would say that at this juncture um i'm hunting for the best possible player so i'm probably taking clay in that one even if mitchell robinson makes more sense for your team although it's worth pointing out these guys both might end up ranked like near 60 because uh, for Clay Thompson, um, 
he's had some games where he didn't take quite as many shots so far this year. For Mitchell Robinson, um, his actually his numbers seem relatively normal, other than a very low field goal percent. They're probably both going to put up numbers that are a little bit better than what they have been doing. So if you're in that type of situation, you definitely tip towards the player who's the better fit. Uh, but I actually think both those guys end up moving up towards that 60 range. So um, I think you probably could go fit in that particular trade. But in general, like if someone, I don't know what a good example would be here, uh, Clay Thompson or like Rudy Gobert. No one's going to offer that right now because Rudy's off to a pretty good start. Uh, yeah. Theodore says the Discord link under the video isn't working. Good to know, my man. I will fix that. I will fix that literally as I'm on air with you guys right now because I can do that. I thought I fixed it the other day, but I maybe I copy and paste it over from a different show that had the old link, but that should be fixed if everybody refreshes now. And I where did I put the Discord link in here up above? There it is. Here's one that works. Thanks, man. Good looking out. I want to make sure I have the right one in there in case anybody wants to pop in and and, uh, and join our Sports Ethos Discord. Um, let's see here. Thoughts on Cat. Honest to goodness, I haven't even looked to see what he's ranked so far. Number 60. Uh, he's number 60. He's shooting 37%. That's a number that's going to come up. Actually, otherwise, I like a lot of what I've seen about Cat so far this year. Um, I don't know that people even realize he's down that low. If they do, he's a buy low. If not, it's, you know, ride it out. Is Walker Kessler a hold in a points league? Yes. Draymond Green or Xavier Tillman? Draymond. Is Chris Paul a streamer now that Draymond is back? Nah, man, it's going to take some time for them to uh, sort of work out the chemistry. I know Paul wasn't as good yesterday, but you can't move on after one uh, after one of those bad boys. Yakov says, Chris Haynes reported that Middleton would be on a limit for six to seven games. Does this change how you view Middleton? Even if he sits back-to-back, everyone in the league does anyway. Um, I don't think everyone in the league sits back-to-back. So I actually think the league is going to be pushing their guys to try to play a little bit more this year. Um, and look, last year we got weird reports on Middleton all season long. So no, not really. I, I just, like I said, if I can get him for two pennies, I'll do it. I'm not going to say no to a really good deal. That would be against my heart but I'm not going and paying much for Middleton because I do think he's lost a step I do think he's slower than he used to be I do think he's going to be back seated to Giannis and Dame um, and I think you're looking at a guy who when things go right for him he's not top 40 anymore but he's more like top 70 oh boy I'm running out of steam here uh let's see here What do we got here? <laughs> Delante says, just please don't paywall the shows. Yeah, I don't plan on ever paywalling Fantasy NBA today. Dan, do you happen to know if a player who is out but in your starting lineup counts towards your game caps in Yahoo League? So it's a good question. They do not. They do not. So uh, you do not get penalized. The only way you get penalized is if they actually check into the ball game. Let's see, what do we got here? A lot of people telling me to feel better. So thank you. I appreciate all that. Um, Brandon Ingram or Julius Randle? I don't care. Randle's going to play more games, so probably Randle. What are your thoughts on Asar Thompson? Uh, I think he's amazing, Asar Thompson. I've been really impressed with him. He is going to have sort of the rookie growing pain stuff. It's why he's only ranked number 91. 
because he's shooting 39% from the field, 75% at the free throw line, and two and a half turnovers while not even really being a primary ball handler. But 10 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, 2.8 defensive stats. Like the outlines of a truly impressive fantasy game are there. And I would buy on him if given the opportunity. Um, and uh, I think that may be what I have to do today. Oh, here we go. Here's a quick one. Vooch or Jamal Murray? That's fair. That's fair. That's fair trade. Um, I was fading Nuggets regulars this regular season because I thought they'd be in kind of a does the regular season really matter posture. And they came out and won a bunch of ball games right out of the shoot. Although, you know, you might even argue that they've been a little bit, they've been coasting while winning mostly. Uh, so maybe a slight lean to Vooch here. But I think both of these guys, you know, Jamal Murray will probably end up in the 45 range. Vooch will probably end up in the 40, 40 to 45 range. Maybe he gets as high as 35. So totally fair trade. Uh, and should I aim for Okangu on the waiver wire? Absolutely. Make sure he is on a roster. Stop letting Okangu float around. Everybody seems surprised by what's happening so far, and it's exactly what happens every time that both he and Capella are healthy at the same time. So just enjoy the ride. It gets better all the time, and he had a big ball game yesterday. And now... I go to try to rest my voice. Thanks to everybody for hanging out with us. I'm basically whispering here by the end of the show. Please like, rate, subscribe. We got the Discord links everywhere. If you want to hang out there, um, hit me up on social at Dan Vesperus. Again, it's easier for me to type things right now than talk about them. But the show, the Iron Man streak, a new Iron Man streak must go on. Love y'all. See you soon. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.